welcome to Tea with Coco. I am Coco Lake Chanel and today I have, well, one special human guest and two special canine guests with me. I am with my amazing friend Lacey, who I think we should tell our origin story too, of like our friendship. Yeah. Like how we came to know him. I um, mean, this podcast is going to be, this topic today is going to be about dogs. Yeah. And that's actually what brought us together. It is. So today we were going to discuss the top five things we learned the first time around being pet owners and what we would do differently with dog number two, which Lacey is already in the midst of. But go ahead. You tell them our origin story. How would we meet? Do you remember? I remember the day we met, um, obviously with you and your husband, Charles, mm-hmm. but I'm trying to remember about when this was. So I think our dogs were six-ish months old, yeah. and our the woman we got our dogs from organized a little family reunion meetup type thing because she had um, their parents. Well, she still does have their parents. Um, and we thought it would be cute to get the mom and dad together and then all the litter mates, and there's five of them. There's Benson, which is my first dog, Bell, which is Coco's dog, um, obviously brother and sister, and then there's three other puppies in the litter. And so we all got together one day at um, one of the other puppy owners' home. Yep. And we kind of got to talking because you and I were similarly aged compared to everybody else there. And we got That's to true. chatting, and you lived in Point Loma, and I lived in downtown San Diego at the time. And we realized we were fairly close, and we thought, oh, we both have the same kind of dog. We should get them, and obviously they're siblings too, which is cool. We should get them together and have them play sometime or just, you know, interact because when they're puppies, they're obviously learning and it's good to hang out with other dogs, which we both knew at the time. That's not something we were really going to be discussing in terms of things we wish we would have known kind of thing. But they're we also the same size them. and stuff, so socializing exactly. them would be better because they wouldn't be, like, intimidated. Right, I but I think it's fun to think of a brother and sister, like your dog's yeah. brother or sister getting together. It sounds cute. So and we lived, cute. we lived, you know, close to each other, I think. We were like 15 minute drive from each other at the time when I lived yeah. there. So, and where we were at was like an hour ish away from each of us. And we're like, this is awesome to get together. And then the first time we hung out, we went to a beach because Benson yeah. had not been to the beach yet before. And oh I lost my car keys. They slipped out of my hands while we were walking through a tide pool. And so, actually, it wasn't just hanging out and, oh, let's just get our dogs on the beach and then I'm going to go home. It was like, oh, you lost your car keys. So, I guess you should just come back to my house because my roommate was in nursing school at the time. And she didn't look at her phone for a while. So I'm like, I literally don't have any keys to get to my vehicle, even to get into my apartment. Well, no, it, I did have my keys to my apartment, but I don't Your think I was... Your car key, I think you had just brought. Oh, my car, because my car was still parked by the, the ocean. Yeah. So it's not like, oh, I'm just going to Uber home. It's like, my car is like abandoned. Oh, there's the dog toy. <laughs> In case you hear that. In case you hear that. <laughs> So we had pizza and wine and like basically have been best friends ever since. Bonded hard. It's like hardcore bonding right there when you lose your keys and someone buys you pizza. That's what love is, I'm pretty sure. Yep. The definition. Yeah. Well, and one of the things we are going to talk about in this podcast is kind of what we learned. And I think a lot of it we learned from talking to each other. So And trial and error. Trial and error for sure. So we're trying to save everybody else from the trial and error from two, I would say, fairly obsessive dog moms. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Obsessed with. Really involved. Super involved. Yeah, that is accurate. (laughs) 
Um, so we're going to do top five and then just give some overall advice, um, you know, of what we've kind of witnessed and learned and what makes the experience the most fun too, because... Well, because these days your dog is like your child and our dogs are basically yes. like our children because we don't have children. Um, they're 100% my So age. we're very involved in their food they kind of eat and you kind of don't realize the industry and it kind of takes advantage of you sometimes. And there's some I products so. that are really great that are very mainstream and everywhere and at Petco and PetSmart and everybody kind of identifies and knows that brand and yeah. that product. But I think as a whole from what I've learned is to... I guess the cliche saying is take everything with a grain of salt, but whether it's a veterinarian or a product you're looking at or somebody giving you advice, it's like, don't always take it so literal. Definitely compare that to your own research and what feels good in your gut. And you know your dog the best, just like people know their kids the best, opposed to a doctor or something. I agree. Um, And what feels comfortable to you. If you're a really natural, holistic person, you'll probably be that way to your pet. I personally like to combine Western and Eastern type viewpoints to for myself as well well yeah but to tailor that to what works best for my dogs personally well and I want to say one of the our our number one thing we're going to talk about the first thing we would change is the type of food and I wanted to kind of set the groundwork because I did go down the rabbit hole because my dog seemed to be allergic to everything um and it not even was just an allergy thing we've learned because we both had similar issues we learned that A lot of allergies in dogs is itchiness and things Mm -hmm. like that, like aggressive itchiness, licking areas, hot spots. I mean, Belle did have some itchy moments, but they almost had what I would call a food intolerance. Yeah, yeah. That's more of like the diarrhea type thing. Yeah. So it it was manifesting itself like physically through her actions, like licking and biting her paws itching her eyes but it also was definitely internal which we could mm-hmm. tell because we you know we have to pick up their poo yeah so you're very aware i'm probably more aware of bell's bell no totally own, no like, absolutely 100 in tune with it so you you can definitely um definitely tell so okay the thing i wanted to start off with is when i went down this rabbit hole one of the things i was so interested to discover was that dogs and humans are on the same scale um, of carnivore, omnivore, herbivore, right? Cats are carnivorous, so they eat meat only, like lions, right? And tigers and mm-hmm. house cats. Cats cannot survive on a vegetarian diet. They cannot diet. survive on a vegetarian diet because they're carnivores, right? And then there are herbivores, which are like cows, right? And they only eat grass, like they only eat vegetation. Mm-hmm. And then there are dogs and humans. And we both are on the exact same level of the food chain, which is omnivorous, meaning we survive on animal and plant proteins mm-hmm. or can. Our mm-hmm. stomachs are designed for that. Um, so it's interesting, too, because we don't, as humankind, eat carnivores or eat dogs, eat other omnivores. We don't at all. We only eat herbivores, as do the dogs, right? Dogs only eat herbivores. Hmm. They don't eat any carnivorous animal. And I, like, seriously went down a huge rabbit hole with this. Really? But it's from... You just decided to research all this one I day, or what? did. You were just really curious? Well, someone... When it came to Belle's diet, you were just like, what? Uh, How does this work? So Lacey's 100% vegetarian, and I'm like 80% vegetarian because I'm like pretty picky about my meat options, but I do still eat meat. And some someone was saying like, how can you not be vegetarian if you love your dog? And I was like, oh my God, how can I? Like I started feeling really bad about it. And so I started researching about it and I found all this out. That's why humans never ate like wolf. That's how we ended up domesticating the dogs, because we were on the same But level. didn't you say, um, was it you that said wolf or dog or something also tasted sour? Tasted sour. That's why they, that's how they learned that they couldn't eat them. Yeah. It's like, 
It wasn't meant to be. It wasn't meant to be. I mean, if you were starving, yeah. it's like, well, you got to do what you got to do. You would eat a human if it was starving. There was, if you're starving, right? There's, yeah, <laughs> that's true. So anyway, that was. I wanted to start that off because a lot of people that we're going to talk about food. A lot of people give them, you know, the whatever food that they get, and that's what our dogs had a bad reaction to. And for me, then it made sense when I did that research because I'm like, they really are supposed to be eating the same types of foods that we as humans. Well, maybe are. you need to clarify what you you just said they get whatever food they get. Do you mean like what the rescue you got your dog from or a breeder or wherever you got your dog from? Typically yeah. you're provided a with little bit of food, a, a bag of kibble, yeah. which is what most people think. Of. When you think of dog food, you think of dog kibble or yeah. the little dried pellets that are baked at mm-hmm. high temperatures or whatever. I don't know how you even want, I don't yeah. even know if you'd say baked. It's a lot of grain based dry food, right? So most people, when you think of dog food, you think of that and you kibble. think of that being as yeah, the most best option for them. I mean, that's what you're going to see. I think, yeah, when it comes to your mind, that's what I think of as dog food. Yeah. And then, like, that's what you see at, like, Walmart and Target and, like, Petco and stuff. A lot of them are, like, different aisles of... (laughs) 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 Uh, Or different aisles of dry food options, right? Um, Everything else would be what we've come to, but... um, and dry food is actually fairly new in the last couple decades, and it became more of a convenient thing. Absolutely. Um, before that, I don't really know the exact year or how that worked, but there was a long period of time where dogs ate whatever the family ate yeah. you know, that night for dinner. And, I mean, it actually ends up being, even though it was inconsistent in terms of what kind of vitamins they were getting and things like that, um, it probably was a lot healthier option than what dogs are getting these days because sure they was. were getting fresh food. Um, whether it was meat or potatoes or whatever it was, it was better than the over-processed food dogs are eating today, in my opinion. Which, I mean, basically, they're drying all of the nutrients out of it. They're baking like, it at like extreme temperatures. Filler. So when you read the back of a bag that says, you know, meat is the first ingredient, people are kind of trained to look for the first five ingredients listed are this and this and this. And even though there are some kibbles that are better out there and it's like beef liver and then beef heart and then this and that and then egg and then you're thinking okay that's great you know there's not wheat or peas and this and that in there that doesn't mean that that product has actually a lot of that content in there it gets baked out all that nutrition gets baked out because it's baked at extreme temperatures which we kind of we're going to get into that later but it's kind of just happening naturally right now (laughs) It, it is and I mean like Lacey said earlier we started off with a dry food, which was a really good dry food brand, mm-hmm. according to our research, right? Yeah. And um, I don't know if we should say it or not. I feel like, yeah. It was, anyway, it was a good dry food brand. And so then um, when, my, uh, when my dog, when Belle started having issues, I was switching dry food brands, right? So I switched to another, like, better dry exactly. food brand. Right? So, like, what was the best? Well, we didn't really know what get? other options were out there at the time. And nowadays... I mean, I've talked about with Coco before, the last decade, it seems like there's an insane amount of dog stores, dog products, Mm -hmm. dog this, dog that everywhere, and you're allowed to bring your dog more places. Um, People go shopping with their dogs. There's more dog-friendly restaurants. Of course, it's the patio. But when I was younger, I don't remember in the 90s, dogs really being anywhere. Like, every people left their dogs. They were, like, family members then. But I don't... You kind of just bought the milk bones at the store, and that was the only kind of treat you gave. And now it's just so saturated with all the 
health products now. And there's some really great brands out there. It's, it's kind of nice that we have a, a wide variety to choose from now and select from. I mean, I think that's true for humans as well, right? I mean, 10 years ago, health food for humans was... That's I mean, true. You know? So it's it's this progression. I think I can see it together. But absolutely in America, I will say at least. Yeah. Like seeing dogs. I think you know, dog stuff's pretty basic in Europe still, huh? Uh, you know, that's interesting because dog stores in Europe, like to get food and stuff are very intensive. What I would say is like the, uh, it would be like a whole foods for dog and they have like refrigerated sections. You can walk in. Well, there's a lot more natural pet food stores now that I love. There's tons of them. And dogs have always been at that level of like, they're allowed inside restaurants in Europe. And I'm just thinking product wise though. Yeah. They, it's much more localized. Like I I can't even think of like a lot of national brands. I mean, there's a couple for toys and stuff, but it it was definitely interesting not having owned my own dog in Europe and, and being here. But I, you know, after trying a bunch of these dried foods, what you and I ultimately settled on was what I'll call a raw mm-hmm. food diet. It is raw because it's not cooked, and dogs digest things at a much quicker rate. They have more acid in their stomach to digest things quicker, so it's safe to feed dogs raw meat. Yeah. Um, and in these diets, there's vegetables and vitamins added, but the vegetables are kind of like, what's the word, blitzed or something? Yeah. Like, they're very, like... Almost pureed in a sense. It's they're like very finely chopped. Yeah, I mean because I it's harder them. for dogs to digest vegetables if they're not cooked. You kind of have to blitz them or whatever the word is, like I said, mm-hmm. to um, ensure they can digest them better. Yeah, I do give Belle raw broccoli as a treat um, sometimes, yeah. but I, for most of the stuff, again, like just like humans, actually raw food is very difficult for humans to digest, right? We have a, a much longer digestive tract than they do. We do, but even for us, like eating um, more cooked foods is easier for yeah. our digestive system. Mm-hmm. So it's, I mean, again... And cooked food's great for dogs too. It's not like raw's the best. There's no. all these options. And I, I think meat for them... Like, that's what they would have gotten in the wild, right? If you think about, like, wolves or whatnot. But I, we both saw, or at least I, I can attest, and you can tell your story, all of the symptoms that Belle was having related to, um, you know, incorrect uh, digestive issues as well as, like, the licking and biting completely vanished when we switched to a raw food diet. Was that your experience? Um, not, it's not like... The cut and dry experience where some people's dogs are so itchy, they're losing their hair, they have all these crazy allergies to foods, which a lot of people experience whether, I don't think people sometimes know whether it's environmental or food, but a lot of people have great success switching to raw. Their dog suddenly stops itching, their coat changes, it's less dry, their poop is better, it's smaller, they poop less because there's less filler food in their product or their food and they... Um, can digest it better, and there's less to digest because their body uses all those nutrients. I mean, I definitely noticed Benson's, you know, stools got better and things like that, but I didn't really honestly see a huge transformation in his appearance or anything like that, but I knew that the food was healthier than the processed dry kibble, so I didn't have as severe of a difference than you. He wasn't biting his paws off either. Belle wasn't Uh -uh. pulling all her hair out. Yeah, I think people see a really big difference when their dogs have allergy issues. Benson didn't have food-type allergies like that. He had more of a food intolerance where they both had, like, a bug when they were young, and it kind of messed up their digestive tract. So I think they are a little bit more on the sensitive side. And Cavalier King Charles Spaniels can be sensitive um, as well to both foods and vaccinations and other kinds of flea and tick yeah. products. Um, I hear of 
more Cavaliers having reactions to things. And it might be because of their small size, too. People say that a lot of vaccines are... Too potent. Well, and the amount that you'd give a rabies vaccine for any kind of dog is the same that they'd give for a Great Dane or a Chihuahua, which doesn't really make sense to me. You'd think that they'd lower the content or however that works. I'm not a pharmacist, but... No, I feel like that has to be true because, I mean, they wouldn't give children the same level of vaccines that they do humans, right? I don't know. I feel like they wouldn't. Well... When I have friends who know I'm like crazy dog mom, I have friends messaging me periodically throughout the year that say, hey, so so my dog is, you know, due for their DHPP or their, their every two or something. It depends on what your dog's kind of set on. But for the most part, most dogs get new boosters every year or every three years on average, I think is what it is. And she has a six-year-old Cavalier and she says, hey, you know, he's due for his booster. Um, does he need that? And she screenshotted the note that she got from the veterinarian office that sent her that notification saying, you know, your dog's due for this. And I said, do you get the polio vaccine every couple of years? You did all that when you were a little girl and you don't have to do it again because you, you built up immunity to it. Your blood immunity level, if you did a titer test right now, would show you are immune to it. So why would you get repoked and put, put more of that in your body? Well, this transitions really well into our number two point that we were going to make, which is not rushing to the vet for every little thing. Yeah, when you get that notification, you're not... They A lot of veterinarian offices, and it's not necessarily the veterinarian, it's kind of, in my opinion, it's the larger companies like Mars that own you know, candy and lots of different food, and they own pet food companies now, and they're just huge monopoly company, and they kind of make that ultimate decision over a lot of veterinarian offices, like VCA. Um, they have Big Brother kind of telling them how to do the protocol for their... Yeah. You know, the... How often the clinic they work at. So, I mean, there's some veterinarians who don't even really believe in that, but their job kind of makes them do it. So they're kind of saying, okay, you got to come in every year for this. And then if you don't do it, your dog could get this parvo. And the truth is, is you're, even if your dog has parvo vaccinations, they can still get parvo. It's just more treatable when they have the vaccination. And there's no scientific proof that shows giving your dog that booster every such amount of years or whatever it is that you're getting it gives them any more immunity. So even if you did a titer test, which is the blood immunity level of whatever you're testing for in both a human or a dog, humans can do titer tests too. And titer is, I think, Mm -hmm. T-I-T-E-R. As long as you have any kind of immunity level, it doesn't have to be high. Just because it shows high doesn't mean, oh, they have really good immunity. As long as it falls between a certain range I've read... um, it shows that your dog has immunity and it doesn't need to be vaccinated at all. I think you just have so much fear, at least I did, especially yeah. because it was my first dog. Yeah, you feel like you're a bad pet parent. And I've yeah. had vet techs who, in my opinion, don't always know as much as the veterinarian. I mean, they've gone to s- training. I don't know if they've gone to school for it. But sometimes they're very pushy and a little bit rude to you about it. And they make it seem like, if you don't give your dog this, they're going to get it. And I'm thinking, well, they've been vaccinated. You know, my dog's four years old now. He's had that vaccination. It's not like he's completely has none, then I think that would be, you know, something to bring up to a patient is, you know, they've had no vaccines, so their risk of getting such and such is really high. And I believe that. I totally believe in vaccines. And I think a lot of people view this as anti-vaxxer type stuff. And it's, no, 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 I'm for vaccinations. I'm not for over-vaccinating for humans and dogs or any animal. And I think what you're saying is very, I liked the correlation you did between the polio vaccine and, and, you know, the vaccines we give to the dogs because... 
that's what you're saying. I mean, I've done it, but you can also mm. see, you and I have also seen like how much getting these vaccinations affects our dogs. And people and who people. do it year after year, they're, they're not doing it and knowing no one would do it if they knew it was harming their dog, but no. I just don't think it's necessary to repeatedly do it. It doesn't mean they're necessarily going to have some kind of issue, but a lot of dogs that have way too many vaccinations and way too many things thrown at them, whether it's flea and tick medication um, or whatever, you know, Bordetella, rabies shot, all these things that you get year after year, um, a lot of them show immune suppressed symptoms of things going on and their bodies are just in overdrive sometimes. And a lot of people even talk about different detox things you can do and you give your dog a vaccination. But for the most part, I'm, you know, I'm for titering. And luckily I have veterinarians who are on board with that and they're not holistic veterinarians. But I personally called around when I moved to a different part of town and called a couple places that had good reviews online. And before I even made that introductory appointment with the veterinarian, I asked the front desk person and said, I just need to know up front right now, is this veterinarian going to be really pushy with vaccinations? Because I've heard horror stories of people who um, take their dog in for something and the veterinarian or whoever it is says, you know, we can't treat your dog until you're up to date on your vaccinations. And it's not like that dog has never had vaccinations. It's not like with humans where there's kids who are going to school who have not had a vaccination in their life. That's a different story in my opinion. This dog has had vaccinations. That's like you going somewhere and they're like, oh, you need to get the polio shot like every two years or otherwise you can't come into the building. And you're like, I've had it though. Like, I'm good. I have a titer test right here that shows my level of immunity. And they're like, no, we're not going to treat you though if you're in the ER and you have your arm chopped up. <laughs> we're going to give you the vaccination right now. And I've heard of people who even take their dogs for things, in for things, and they get a bill for uh, um, some kind of vaccine or whatever they give them. And, and they, they didn't, didn't give consent. Yeah. No, and I'm like, uh-oh, I would get so mad. That's happened to me before. Really? Yeah. It was like $50, and I was like, oh, what is that? And they were like, oh, her Bordetella booster. And I was like, um, no, uh, but... That's not right to just, like, kind of, you know, disperse that. Unless you have some kind of agreement beforehand saying, you know, you're authorized to do anything. You know, if they're under surgery and you're like, I give you authorization right now to perform life-saving surgery, you know, on my pet. I don't care what it costs. You can do it. Because a lot of the issue is is that they want to run the cost of something by you because they don't want to get you upset if you're not okay with the pricing. No, I did that when I had to get her teeth cleaned and she went Mm -hmm. under. Exactly. Pull any teeth. I'm okay with it. If she needs it done, what are you going to say? No? Leave her dangling tooth in there that's rotting? Well, I think people do say no because it is expensive. Or or maybe they want to go somewhere cheaper, but if they're already under and they have to be anesthetized, that's kind of... That's the biggest cost Intense. For sure. yeah. But that's also an intense procedure, too. You don't want to, like, repeatedly oh, do that. If it's yeah. it's unnecessary to put them under again in a week, if you were going to go do it somewhere cheaper, I would just pay for it. I but mean, it can get costly. It's like $100 a tooth at sometimes. It is, but truthfully, I was so emotional about the thought of her going under. Like, Multiple I, like, times. I literally, yeah. like, grabbed the anesthesiologist, and Stop. I was like... This is my best friend. <laughs> I was like, she's really tiny. Yeah. You know to adjust the medicine. Yeah. Because it's not just her breed. I'm mm-hmm. like, she's small. Yeah. I was like, if you kill her, I'm like, I don't know, like, I will yeah. haunt your building. This kind her. of segued already into our number third of not always taking a veterinarian's yeah, advice, whether it's medicine or vaccines. And it's, yeah. and it's hard to distinguish when to say no and sometimes you can say you can think about it and then go back later and you can go home and do some research and you know talk with people that you feel like are knowledgeable on the topic and sometimes it feels like daunting to learn all this stuff I personally gained all my information from 
um, one of the dogs in our litter, the owner has been a longtime Cavalier owner, mm-hmm. and she, I would see her on Facebook actually commenting on things and liking things, and it was for a page of a veterinarian based in New Jersey, her name's Dr. Judy Morgan, and she is a, I don't know if she would be considered a holistic vet, I think she's more integrative, because she does a lot of traditional veterinarian things, she's not completely you know, natural herbs and this and that. She combines Eastern and Western medicine, which makes sense to me. Whatever works for your pet, that's the most beneficial thing I'm for, whether that's on the Eastern side or Western. I agree. I'm, I'm down for that. And so I've learned a lot from her. She does Facebook lives every morning and she writes some blog posts. She has some products that she sells. Um, but she just honestly feels like she, it's her due diligence to educate the public on good food for your dogs and not over vaccinating and not overdoing any kind of heartworm medications or flea and tick when it's not really necessary. Um, she's not against every single product at all. She just feels like, you know, look at the weather and where you live and like what makes sense and what did your dog respond to? And if they respond so poorly to certain medications, don't give it again, find an alternative. Some dogs have very bad reactions. So no, I love I, her. I do too. Um, and for the titer testing, a lot of vet offices charge a lot for it because they make a lot of their money off those vaccinations. Um, for titer testing, there is an option to mail that your blood vial. You have your, your vet pull blood. They, there's some instructions on his website. But there is a doctor, I think his name jo- John Robb, I believe his name is, on ROBB. Mm-hmm. And his whole mission, he, went, he was in a viral video about, he is a veterinarian, and he was in a viral video a couple years ago in a courtroom where people are mocking him. And he's saying, I am not giving a rabies vaccination to a dog that's very sick. That's not that like, I'm not going to do that. And they're basically saying, well, then we'll pull your license. And he's kind of battling it oh, out. Oh, yes. And I remember he this does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. His website, I think, is protectthepets.com or something like that. But he will do very affordable titers that cost how they how much they should cost. He doesn't overcharge or anything like that. So when it comes time for Benson to um, get a vaccination, my current vet wouldn't overdo it anyway. But if he felt like I needed to do a titer, I think he would give me an affordable price. But let's say I move in five years from now, I would definitely send it to him. Well, I think that's a good option for people too that may not also like necessarily be in the most metropolitan of areas. Yeah. Or where that type of stuff isn't... And some people I've seen on line in these Facebook groups of people that are into like Judy Morgan and we're in a, uh, I'm in a Facebook group called the healthy Cavalier King Charles Spaniel and you can just search things and read about items and different situations. Um, and it, it seems to me like you just need to read about basically get a wealth of knowledge and then kind of address the situation. And yeah, like if you live in an area where you don't have access to it, some of these places, their vets don't even know what a titer test is. Right. They literally say, we don't offer that. We don't know what that is. And then other places that do offer it are like, oh, it's going to be $300. To do a DHPP and rabies titer test with Dr. John Robb, I think it's like 60 bucks. Well, and this is an interesting side note because you and I both have pet insurance and we both got pet insurance when our dogs were very young. And it was a decision I made after talking to you about it and after our dogs had been very sick. Um for, you know, we, they both got a, or had a really bad reaction, um, to a virus when they were little. And so you and we I actually got, I, I think I got my insurance right before they got that though. 
Yeah, I think you did. And I actually They were puppies and I remember getting it in November. You're right. And it then that February they, they both got a little bug. I did mine in January after you had told me about okay. it. Okay. So and I know uh, I won't we won't say which pet insurance company we have, but I know that there have been some like rate increases and stuff. But how do you feel about pet insurance? I feel like if you can I feel like so many people try to find dogs for cheap. If they want a certain breed, they want a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. They're not a cheap breed to find. And the rescues have so many people on their list, their waiting list. And they're people who are retired and have three acres of land. And it's all fenced in and it's all perfect. And I'm like, I am a young single female that lives in an apartment complex on the fifth floor. So I'm at the end of the list of who they would consider because they have so many people ahead of me that are better homes, like home-wise. doesn't always mean a better owner it depends I mean some people like that don't even ever walk their dog at all but um um or was I going with that with the pet insurance I can't remember I lost my train of thought (laughs) well I think what you were saying is you were paralleling that to like if you're going to spend all this money on a breed exactly okay yeah that's exactly what I was saying some people are looking for a Cavalier King Charles for x amount of dollars and it's like you could get a dog that's from a great health-tested background, lineage, everything, checks out, does all the right health tests, the breeder does, um, and it could totally, you know, have these issues that are congenital or just, you know, have some random problems that it just has to do with being a dog, like swallowing yeah. a sock or whatever. And the thing is, is you are less likely, a little bit more or less likely, in my opinion, to spend as much money on a dog that comes from a very great health-tested background Um, but you could also get a rescue dog that was 50 bucks that has tons of issues that you would pay several thousand dollars more for what you would have purchased a puppy price for it. Honestly, you don't know what you're going to get. I think it's, I would personally rather have my money if I'm going to a breeder to have my money go to a reputable, reputable breeder, not, you know, just some backyard random person who's doing things cheaply and kind of not doing things by the book and not treating the dogs right. But it's kind of like most people are just going to a rescue or breeder these days. I wouldn't even consider a pet store. That's for another day to talk about. <laughs> Puppy mills. <laughs> Don't do it. But I think health insurance is important regardless of how you get a dog. Whether I it's agree. a rescue or you're going to a reputable breeder, your dog costs a million dollars and it has all these health clearances. And you, love them, you don't right? know what they're going to get. But also, I mainly got health insurance not for congenital issues, but my thought process was if I was walking my dog on the street and a dog attacked it, and my dog was clinging to life and in the dog ICU for five days. The, the dog ICU is, like, outrageously expensive. People have, like, $10,000 bills. Well, I, I wouldn't want to blow all my savings on that. Personally, I would rather have my health insurance pay that out. But it, you, you look at it, like, how does it even out throughout the year? How much do you pay over the course of the year when you don't use it? Blah, 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 blah. Uh, I don't. I think just like human insurance, it is. Sorry, Graham is super interested in my bag. Something must smell good. What do you think it is? Flip flops. Flip flops. <laughs> um, I think it's worth it for my peace of mind because I would never want to have to decide between a tw- like ten to twenty thousand dollar bill or my dog's life. Like I just don't want that to be my like thought process. So no, and I personally would put if I didn't have that money. I would put it all in my on a credit card to save my dog's life because that's just how well, I am. Of course, I would. But too. that would be a very stressful financial burden. Absolutely. I would rather spend the $300, $400 I spend a year on having health insurance. Me too. For that risk. Another thing that I've been contemplating is, but what about when he's you know a couple years from now, or I guess it's 
four years from Don't now. Don't say it. I'm going to start When he's around eight years old, it's like, what if my premium has gone up to something ludicrous? A lot of people... Okay, so health insurance is great. If you can afford it, I think if you can't afford it every month and you went the route of getting a dog in a cheap way... I think another route that people go that's a good option is putting like a hundred bucks away a month and saving up as that emergency fund. And if you can't do a hundred a month, 50 or whatever you can do, as long as you have something and not all emergencies are 10 grand, some are like $800. And as long as you have something saved that can help offset that blow, I think it's a good idea, but you know, to each their own. Uh, I agree. And I'll say with the pet insurance company we've had, even though premiums have gone up, when I have filed claims and stuff, it's been a super easy process. So uh, yeah, I love it. it. And Benson's been going to wine refill. Yep, a new veterinarian where they offer some acupuncture, and I like my my normal veterinarian I go to, but I'm going to another one because they offer some long in depth appointments, and I want to talk about my dog's ailments for an hour, and they're down for it. And they offer acupuncture, and my health insurance covers that for him. Yeah, and. The acupuncture is great for all different sorts of things. It's not so even like, oh, many. I broke my wrist or my back hurts. It's like, it's like GI issues for the most part. And it's like, Absolutely. apparently that helps Nerve. decrease just inflammation in general. And I've had one of my best friends be the one who actually is a winemaker as well. Mm-hmm. Um, her dog couldn't walk for like a year and she was on all these antibiotics. And then it turned out that. Probably steroids. Yes. Anti-inflammatories, but they don't even really anti-inflammatory anything because it's a drug. It was aiding the problem. And so when she moved to Portland, where there's, I think, a more holistic view on stuff, and started doing Mm -hmm. acupuncture, she can walk now. I mean, it's just, like, Well, I don't really know a lot about acupuncture, but I know that people have good results from it, and it's worth a try, especially if my insurance will cover it. I'm willing to try it. Um, Can't remember how we got into the topic of acupuncture, Uh, but... Well, okay, moving on. But head insurance, good. I would I would say yes. Yeah, and if not, try to put some money aside yeah. each month if you can, just for those emergencies and just to be prepared and feel better about those times for your beloved you pet if you to need to utilize decision. it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, nobody wants to do that or have stress around it. Exactly. Right? Um, okay, so number four. This was I think more me than you, but definitely something. But I also, you grew up with dogs, but I've been like dog psychology girl since I was little. That's true. For a quick background, everybody thinks I'm like dog crazy, but for a quick background, I've always wanted when I was, since I was a little girl, an AKC dog poster, just because I was like really into all the different breeds. (laughs) not really down with the AKC right now in their relationship with puppy mills and things like that. That's a different story. Like I said, puppy mills is another topic I'm crazy about. And not crazy in a good way, crazy in an angry way, but... Um, There's the viral podcast that we need right there. About AKC, yes, oh my god. just Lacey's drunken rant on AKC. Oh my god. I'll see if I can make That it probably already exists somewhere, especially with the Cavalier people. And you know, people who own Cavaliers, I think, are is another type of person. I mean, I love all breeds. I grew up with Samoyeds, um, Siberian Huskies. Pomer- my mom has Pomeranians right now, my parents do. Um, and we, we really predominantly had Huskies growing up and I had a miniature Schnauzer that grew up with all different other kinds of pets, but I always loved our dogs, was like obsessed with them. And I think that's another reason why I just was naturally a vegetarian as a young child, because I think I saw all animals as a way of like, why do we want to eat animals? We like animals. We pet them. They're soft and they're cute and I love them. I don't want to eat them. So, okay. Graham is like... Apparently, everyone's sleeping. Everybody's sleeping in Graham's Graham's still a puppy, so he's seven months old. He is my newer dog. Benson is four. He's a Blenheim. 
Belle is also, well, they're almost four, and also Zablenum. Those are the brother and sister that brought Coco and I together. And Graham is a Ruby Cavalier, and he's seven months, and he's a great dog, but he's just he's a puppy. Boy. He wants to run around. If you're hearing boy. weird crinkly sounds and stuff, those are his bark box toys. They have some awesome products that have cellophane and weird stuff going on in them that makes dogs crazy. But um crazy boy. How did we get into the AKC topic? Okay, so what we were saying is for number four, it is one of the things you and I learned is not reinforcing bad habits when it's cute. Oh, I was oh, what I was gonna say just to finish really quickly, I know we're going on these tangents. But what I was saying about AKC originally is that as a little girl, I was always obsessed with dogs. Rented literally every library in my school, elementary schools, middle schools, every literal, literally every dog breed book they had I read, and kind of like every animal book in general, let's be honest. Um, but I was obsessed with having an AKC dog poster because it showed every breed, and I just was so interested in knowing all the breeds and being able to identify them. What's funny is I actually did get that poster when I was like 21 for Christmas in my stocking for my mom, and I'm like... Um, I don't, I don't want that anymore when I'm 21. I'm not going to like hang that on my wall. I wanted it on my wall when I was like eight. It's so, like a horse poster. <laughs> I didn't even have that. But no, I like I horses too. I, did, I like horses too, but. Yeah, but I always wanted an AKC dog poster so badly. All right. So, you um, know so I've always been into dogs and I kind of knew a little bit about, not dog training so much, but just was very into dogs. And we used to watch Cesar Milan and stuff growing up and he's controversial too, but basically we've just learned you're not even supposed to respond to negative behavior, not, not even a negative response to a dog doing something you don't want. And people inadvertently um, reinforce the negative behavior they don't want their dog to have. So an yeah. example of that would be your dog is leash reactive. You're on a walk with your dog. It sees a skateboard or a bike or another dog, and it just starts barking and going crazy. The worst thing you can do, I'm not actually even sure what the right thing to do is because I haven't had that situation. I'd probably go to a trainer, to be honest, if that was me. But the worst thing to do is talk to your dog in a soothing voice and say, it's okay, it's okay. That's just or even if they're point. not even being yeah. aggressive, let's say they're just being really nervous and timid and kind of like uncomfortable. It's not a good idea to really soothe them because you're basically saying, I'm agreeing with this and I'm trying to you know, basically tell you it's okay because dogs aren't human. They don't understand English. They're interpreting that as, oh, you're agreeing with this. Good. Yeah, you like this. You're telling me I'm doing a great job. And that's not true at all. Well, and I think a lot of times it's not just obviously negative behavior like like barking at other dogs. Uh, one of the things I or did... Or unwanted un- behavior is a good word. I think you have to it. think about long term as well, which is the what I would do differently next exactly. time. Exactly. Like I encouraged Belle to jump up on the couch because I wanted her to come sit with me. And when she, like when she was a puppy, I remember like trying to like I would put treats on the edge of the couch to like get her oh, to really? really jump up. Aww. Yeah, I have video of this. Aww. And when we went on walks, like she loved birds, and I would think like she would chase after the bird, and it was cute. Now I wish I had not encouraged that behavior. Because jumping up on really high things is not good for her because she's tiny and hip dysplasia. Well, and you know, we didn't realize at the time that it's not even just hip dysplasia. As an older dog, the repeatedly jumping up and down in fast movements gets hard on their joints. As it would, and they're already going to have joint issues anyway, just from aging. Absolutely. And I wish I had had like that kind of like further knowledge of like this is because that's. When I think start, I'm the one that brought that up too because I read it somewhere. I think and you, I was like, I, "Crap!" Sure. 
And I, I was like, it's done. Like, now I can't get well, her to not do Well, and Belle it. jumps, can jump really high on things. She's she like jumps a ninja puppy. Benson's a lot taller than her, and she can jump way higher than Benson. Oh, she's a straight-up ninja. I also started taking her hiking when she was very young, like six months old. And so she would, like, jump up on rocks and stuff. And, like, yeah. it, it, her bird chasing and the jumping, they're just things I wish I had thought about, like, long-term for the dog because it's really hard just like with adults to change behavior. Talk about the birds now. Oh yeah. So when she was a little puppy, she would like see a bird. They both I'd, loved birds. Benson did. did too. And I would be like, go get that birdie. You know, like go get it. And now. at this time, you guys, they were also both on retractable leashes. <sighs> Worst decision which, ever. Which is okay. Like, I mean, well, they're not okay, but I would, if I lived somewhere where it was more rural and they had more slack to run, I would do buy one of those really long leads. I would too. And it's like a regular dog leash, but just absurdly long. And it gives them slack to move around and do things. But the retractable leash also kind of attributed to that weird paw licking she did. Yeah. She, it would, you know, she basically, long story short, and Coco will add to this, but she would basically, you know, hey, look at the bird and point it out to her. She'd run and then at the end of the leash at some point it ends and it would just like jerk her her body really hard. And she's probably like eight pounds at this time. Yeah. I would say that. Eight or nine pounds. And after a lot of research, um, and my cousin who runs a website called The Natural Doggy, if anybody goes to that, I know they have a, a large following, um, she had shared with me some knowledge about retractable leashes and how it can have a lot of effect on the nerves because you are you have a bodysuit basically around the dogs. When you're yanking that back, you're yanking like their spine. Like, mm-hmm. That's what you're yanking. And it created like neurological issues Total that was making issues. The food, I think, attributed a little bit, but I think once you stopped that retractable leash, you read about it, huge, and you heard about huge it difference. from your cousin, and it slowly, it just, I mean, it just stopped. Her hair has been slowly growing back over the course of like the two years you found it out. A huge, but I mean, you yeah. said it stopped like night and day. Night and day. Absolutely stop night and day. And so. you were giving um, a like hardcore steroid from your vet at the time. For her to stop doing and you, it. And it's, yeah. you know, obviously you didn't want her to be on that long term. No, because again, she's really small. I mean, like that's, anyway, the don't reinforce bad behavior. Don't use retractable leashes if you can stop it because I've just, again, it was my fault completely. Retractable leashes aren't also good for training your dog to walk next to you. It's showing yeah. them they can get away from you and it's okay. And this is the They should always be kind of focused on you and where you're at. Although, I mean, every dog, unless they're perfectly trained, our dogs still get, you know, excited from things and they're not always looking back up at us when there's lots of stimuli going on. It's like, yeah. what's around me? I'm pumped up. I'm excited. Like, I want to chase stuff. But the retractable leash does not help, that's for sure. I, it really doesn't. So I don't enforce bad habits. Think about long-term when your dog is 10, what you would want it to, to still be doing. Um, that goes to our dogs are pretty small and, like, you know, more cuddly. I think a big dog would so, break a retractable leash. Well, not the retractable leash, but, oh. like, I know, like, they both jump on us, right? Like, uh, they jump on people. That's a thing that little dogs get away with, jumping on people exactly. and barking. And not even the barking thing, actually. I meant having accents in the house they get away with because the accents are so small. And it's like, no, your dog should not be urinating or going no. number two in the house when they're adults and they should be potty trained. I, I mean, I'm shocked when I hear people's middle-aged small dog that goes in the house. I mean... And you're like... Oh, and I think, again, if you're going to have a small dog, we obviously do. We think they're great. I love mine. I love traveling with mine. But just be cognizant that even though they're small, 
not everybody wants to be jumped on. Like, so you need to make sure you address that behavior when they're puppies. You know, their barks still aren't cute even though they're not really loud. Yeah. Their potties still aren't cute even though they're small. Like, Mm -hmm. just be cognizant of those things because it's not something I did. uh, And I think I, I may have been able to streamline her training in that area a little bit more, especially with the jumping on people. If I had not, we both have that issue. They both do it. And Graham isn't as bad of a jumper, but it's basically reinforced inadvertently by your guests because they lean down to pet them. And they're like, Oh, you're so cute. It's totally. I know. And when I got Graham, you know, several months ago, I'm thinking, I try to tell people, No, 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 don't pet him right away because there's times where he's off lead in my hallway in my apartment complex and I'm throwing the ball from and take him out potty real quick without a leash sometimes. And they run over to someone and they jump on them. And like I said, Graham doesn't do it as often, so I'm hoping it stays that way. But Benson knows that paw, 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 paw means pets. And these dogs are obsessed. This breed is obsessed with, with human attention. For sure. Yeah. Any kind of human attention, not negative attention. They're very receptive to positive versus negative <sighs> yes. attention. It's a very easy to train breed. But I don't know. I mean, that's I kind of messed up again even a couple months ago when I got Graham about the jumping on people thing. But it's hard to... I mean, I was I was aware of it, and I didn't want it to happen, but I don't know what's the best way to even tell your neighbor from a distance before you can even get it out the words out of your mouth. They're already petting them, and you're like, no, 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 don't and touch them. giving them the good attention. It was really hard. I, You know, I think, and everybody who does it now, because Belle's still only like You almost have to teach your, treat your dog like it's like an in-service training animal, and it's like, don't pet the dog until this and this and this happens, and it's calm. So that's what I've tried to do. I make Belle, because she'll go towards the kid, especially kids, because they love kids. You know, this, but I'll tell her to sit and to stay, and I will do my hand motions that I've taught her mm-hmm. with, and I'll make her stay. Yeah. And at the beginning, I physically held her and said the word stay. Yeah. Until the the child bent down and she was able. You know, there's times though she's she's better trained than Benson probably, but there are times where. where she even just, like, loses control. Crazy. And you're like, Belle, am I literally seeing this right now? Like, I'm this totally, is not cool. Totally. But there's just such crazy distractions. And our dogs are not perfectly trained and don't have I perfect think everything. But I hate to say they're humans because obviously they're not. But, like, to get your dog perfectly trained, you have to go to, like, in my opinion... I don't know, maybe even a trainer, or you just have to have the right things to know yourself perfectly. I don't think we're not perfect. We don't know everything perfect for dogs. I I don't think it's ever true because even dogs that go through like training for the blind and like Mm -hmm. are like in like you've seen that stuff about like how intense it is, right? I watched it on my flight coming back from New York recently of like how intense that training is. It's called pick of the litter. So even with that, dogs that are labs. there are people that are blind that have had their dogs like chase after a bird. Well, but also think about it. Dogs are like humans where they're born within a personality. It's innate yes. in them. It's, and you yes. can try to f- manipulate that and, you know, guide it to be a certain way and how they can develop as a good canine citizen, they call it. But that doesn't always mean that that dog can be for sure molded that way. Absolutely. No, there's going to be some extent of their personality. Some dogs are more verbal than others. Some dogs tend to be a little bit more shy than others. And that can all happen within the same litter. I mean, Benson and Belle, like, well, you know. And absolutely. Gracie, their sister. And Gracie. She's a lot more shy than them. Absolutely. Does not want to approach people as much as most Cavaliers do. And that's just her personality. That's just how she was born. And they were all raised the same way. They were all exposed to the same environment. Absolutely. With their the upbringing. same area. When, also, before yeah. they came to their forever homes my dog likes to sit upon high and judge people (laughs) so you know 
I mean, she's more triggered by birds and Benson isn't. And they both can be verbal at times. She's more verbal when she's excited, which I don't really know if that was a learned behavior. Graham used to bark at me when I would prepare their food. I completely ignore my dogs when I'm preparing their food. I don't even look at them, but I'm also facing away because I'm at the counter. But I don't look at them and say, okay, it's coming or hold on. I literally do not acknowledge them. And Graham now, for the most part, is silent when I prepare his food. And yeah. you jumping on me does not make me put the food down faster. Oh, it makes me annoyed at no, you. No, <laughs> no. I mean, I make Belle, she knows I'm eating the food, and I make her sit in, like, in front of her mat silently without jumping on me before. But I also, I mean, they're, like, they're dogs. They're predisposed to feel a certain way. They Can can't, you imagine? They don't some... speak English. They know some English words, but mainly they know, the like, the tone of your voice. It's not even, like... Absolutely. I mean, she knows your hand signals and things like that, and that's great, but people, people get so mad at their dogs for things, and it's like, they... Can you imagine if someone was a huge giant was yelling at you in another language and just was expecting you to understand something? No, it's positive reinforcement and consistency and being the same way every time that molds your dog is who they, how they become. And we're not always all consistent. None of us are perfect unless you actually are a perfect dog trainer, which I I am not. I mean, not to draw too much of a correlation between dogs and husbands, but just like what you just said is like perfect. (laughs) Oh my gosh. No, but it's so funny because I've literally pulled Belle aside and I'm Oops, like, sorry. Um, Belle, we talked about this. And she's like, okay. and she's like, I'm a dog mom. Um, okay, so yeah, that would, I think that's probably my biggest, other than the food, I think the food's probably my biggest regret. Well, also, what we wanted knowledge. to say also is that we didn't even really go into food that much. We kind of just went into how kibble isn't great. Someone who's listening might be thinking, well, okay, then what do I feed if I don't want to feed raw? You don't have to feed raw food. No. I think it's important to find a brand of food that doesn't have synthetic vitamins in it. Apparently, a lot of them do. Um, for my dogs, personally, I think less ingredients is better. I like yeah. a brand of food called All Provide. Um, if you go on their website, it's A-L-L-P-R-O-V-I-D-E. Mm-hmm. Um, they are a small company based in Atlanta. or No, Georgia, not Atlanta. I can't remember wh- how far they are from Atlanta, but they're based in Georgia, and they ship to my door. And my dogs do really well on their food, and I like that they don't have a ton of ingredients in it. They have some vegetables, some good organ meats, and there's actually some bone in the food. Um, but my pets do pretty well on it, and... I personally like that brand and there's, you know, supplements and things you can go into as well. But I think the the thing is, is a lot of people can't afford a raw diet. It's a little bit more expensive than, you know, kibble. It's not something that you get at the grocery store, which by the way, I don't recommend anybody get their dog food at the grocery store. I think if you're going to be buying kibble and you're like, I'm sick into that, I'm not going to go down the route of fresh food or freeze dried or raw diet. Um, my recommendation is if you can't afford it or you don't want to do it is incorporate as much fresh food into their diet as you can. So eggs, Vegetables, eggs are eggs, amazing yeah. for dogs. It's like a superfood. I mean, it's amazing for people too. And you too. can do it raw with egg, right? You could break you the can, egg You can, and people, put the, the... people crack an egg and put the shell mm-hmm. in there. My dogs love it when I scramble them an egg, and I love cooking for them. So I do too. Some people actually, you know, there's recipes you can find online that are complete. Um, they're not always complete. You have to make sure that there's you know, natural vitamins and certain ingredients, or you're adding vitamins and calcium and things like that. Um, but you can crock pot foods. And a lot of people do that when their dogs are sick. Cause it's, di- it's well, not digested. It's um cooked. So it's kind of partially pre-digested. So they have less issues digesting it. Right. Um, people do a lot of crock potting. You can bake some foods. There's Dr. Morgan has something called a pup loaf. 
Um, and it's really cute. You put it in like a banana bread type pan and you put all these different things together and you basically, I mean, a lot of people use a meat grinder, but you can use a food processor or there's certain attachments to KitchenAid mixers that have like a little meat grinder addition. I have that um, one. And there's all these different ingredients that go in. You mix it all together and you bake it in the oven for what, however long. I haven't done it yet. I actually have a dog cookbook. I haven't really. I do too. Looked at it too in depth yeah. yet because I haven't tried it. But um, yeah, you can do the crock pot. You can do the raw. You can add some fresh food to their diets. You can do vegetables, you can add an egg, you can add in some fruit. I would add in probably, I would probably add in fresh fruit, or not, sorry, not fresh fruit, fresh vegetables and fresh meat, whether it's cooked meat or raw meat, whatever you want. If you have some leftover chicken from dinner and your dog likes chicken, add that to half of their kibble amount. I mean, make sure there's not a lot of like seasoning on it. No, 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 no. But if it's before you cook it, I, when Charles and I make meat, which isn't very often again, um... We'll make if it's like beef, oh, the bell burger. We'll make a little bell burger, which is like when they grill it. Yeah, it's so cute. It's little. <laughs> it's so tiny. I love it. And if I'm, I bake a chicken a lot of times, um, and they come with the gizzards inside, which is like the heart liver. That's an ingredient in pup if I'm pretty sure. Chicken it gizzards. It is. And so I've ground that up with broccoli and cauliflower um, or zucchini or whatever mm-hmm. I have on hand and given that to her. So just be cognizant. Those are quote unquote free things. Like, And these aren't things that we're just like suggesting because we think like our dogs are middle aged and we think it helps them. No. It's stuff that we've really researched and yes. read online. Yeah. And there's a, I don't, I'm not actually sure what his credentials are at all, but there's someone named Rodney Habib. And he works with Dr. Karen Becker really closely, who is also like a Judy Morgan. Um, and they talk all the time about like myths, like, you know, dogs can't have avocados. They actually can have a little bit of avocado. They just can't have the skin or the pit. But they they talk about things like that, too, of how, I mean, I don't know the statistics off the top of my head, but there's studies that show feeding your dog some fresh food in their bowl of kibble or whatever you're feeding them every day um, significantly helps their longevity their ailments you know not getting sick as much and it's I can't remember I don't know why I'm thinking of the number 25 percent but I'm thinking at some point they talked about 25 percent live longer or are just healthier and I can't remember exactly I'm, I'm honestly botching the story but um well and fresh for, food I mean think about it fresh, fresh food's good for everybody yeah yeah humans so and dogs that was why I was making the point about mm-hmm. humans and dogs being on the same mm-hmm same level of the yeah. food scale because when you think about it like that and so many people are used to just buying dog treats at petco and it's like no use your broccoli as a treat exactly or give them like some fresh coconut or fresh coconut oil or i use freeze-dried blueberries from trader yeah. joe's they're her favorite that's thing better the than world. the trader joe's dog treats i just walked i went to trader joe's the other day better. and they had some special dog treat on the end of the aisle and i was thinking you have actually you're just your plain fresh food is good here but let's talk about how our dogs will eat everything and not every dog will. So That's I think true. every dog, I babysat a really picky Malamute once, and he, well, his parents, his human owners, made him fresh food every day. They made him a huge plate full of chicken, carrots, this is all cooked, chicken, carrots, eggs, some greens. Like, he was like a human. They fed him fresh food every day. And I scrambled him eggs every day when I babysat this dog. Oh, eggs are like such a good thing to give dogs. Oh, you coming to see me? Hmm. Oh. You come to give me a hug. What else is on our list? What I have on hand oh. when you bring the puppy home? Yeah. So, okay. It's our last Our number thing. five. 
Yeah. Well, I think I was like obsessive beforehand, and so I was researching. Well, you a lot. when you it's your first dog on your own, not yes. your family's. Oh, you grew up with pets. I grew up with pets. Yes. When it's your first dog, you're like, oh my god, what do I what get? What do I have? What do I need to have when like you know you bring the dog home? So. You give me your list, and I will then give my list. What did you have when you went to get Benson, and what would spent, what did you have when you went? There were some things. There were some types of brushes that didn't really make sense for the breed, but I wasn't really familiar with the breed. I didn't grow up with this breed. I didn't really know much about them. I just, honestly, the way that I think you should find a dog if you're not just rescuing one because you just want to rescue a love bug, um, if you're specifically looking for a type of breed, I think it's important to match that breed quality with your lifestyle and also making sure that you can suit that dog's lifestyle. If you're getting a Australian Shepherd, guess what? Those dogs have a lot of energy. And if you want to be a couch potato, maybe not get that kind of dog. A dog that works better for you would be like a Boston Terrier or a Frenchie or a Bulldog or just even a like, Cavalier or just a, a breed that doesn't need energy don't get or one. exercise. No, don't get one because it's cute. Get one because And a lot of people get a dog because they like the way it looks. It's trendy for whatever reason. I personally researched Cavaliers um, for a multitude of reasons. One of my friends had one. And when I was thinking of a dog to get, because I started working from home, I only really liked large breeds. I've always liked medium to large breeds. I wanted Labs or Golden Retriever. I I love Goldens. And I wanted a Golden, and I thought, okay, they will destroy my apartment Golden puppies, and not every golden puppy, but many of them will literally eat your drywall. They will destroy stuff. And I thought, oh my God, I cannot afford this (laughs) to happen to me. But my other main thing was that I wanted a dog that was very affectionate. The dogs I grew up with were not affectionate to me. I always wanted more from them. I'd pet them, and they'd kind of walk away. And I'm like, no, come back. I love you. Let me touch you. And they just were like, whatever. Um, Graham is now in the toy box. Again. some... Rubbery, rubbery squeaky balls. That's actually a ball from Petco they don't make anymore. My mom loves them for her little palms. And she's so sad they don't make them anymore. He's just brought it into the bedroom. He's going to make it his But anyways, um, I am a proponent of crate training. I think it's important to when you find the dog that matches you, whether it's a rescue dog or you sought out a specific breed for whatever reason. Um, I like crate training. It keeps them safe. People like to view it as... People humanize dogs a lot. And I do it too. But there's... Certain times where it's you shouldn't humanize them as I much. I think because crate training is just like the crib. I mean, you're teaching them to. People think it's mean. They're putting them. Be, they're putting them in prison, and it's like, no, you're keeping your dog safe, but also it's you not. you teach them at a very young egg age, not egg, um, to <laughs> Eggs are good feel though. comfortable in the crate, and they see it as a place of peace and quiet. Benson goes to his crate all the time in the middle of the night because he wants his space. He likes the enclosure feel of it. Sometimes he goes in there when he feels sick. It's like homey to him. No, I think it's their safe space. And again, I think it's just like a crib for a baby. I mean, that kind of looks like a prison too. Right? Well, it's also really important for when you're leaving your house. Some people will gate their dog off with an X-Pen um, or in a in a um, laundry room or someplace specific. But it's that is a thing when well, it's a crate. Well, also the crate, they don't have accidents in it because it's a small space. It has to be a small enough space that your dog won't have an accident because they won't soil where they sleep or they shouldn't yeah. at some point. Um, so crate training is a good way to, you obviously can't leave your dog too long, way longer than they can hold it when they're a puppy, but it's a good way to potty train them and keep them in a safe spot. You know, they're not going to get into trouble. Like Graham ate seven inches off a philodendron plant I have, which is toxic to dogs. Did not get sick, but their mouth is supposed to be like Like on fire. Yeah. Nope. He was good. 
He's like hardcore, apparently. Well, I had a crate. But I'm, I'm into crate training, yeah, basically. I I, everything else is like typical dog stuff you get. You know, toys and this and that. I mean, make sure you have a collar with your name and number on it, because even though you're not supposed to be like, bringing them out, like I wanted to make sure I had that. Well, you're also not supposed to have plastic water bowls. You should do... Um, I think ceramic or like stainless steel yep. or glass. Yep. And I don't think people wash their bowls enough, in my opinion. I wash my dog's food bowls every day because it's raw meat and that's I, do I should too. wash it after every feeding. I, which I, is what I do. I do every day. I don't do every feeding. I do after every feeding because I get creeped out. I don't wash their water bowl every day because I have to pay for my water. I have to buy jugs of water. I don't, I live in an apartment. I don't have filtered water coming from my fridge so every couple days when it starts to look it doesn't actually even look gross if I just see like some hairs in it and I'm like ew I'm gonna wash it yeah. but I'm sure the average dog owner probably waits a lot longer than I do Belle refuses to drink out of her bowl if it's been more than one day without it being clean she won't drink out of it <sighs> well okay so we give filtered water I feel we like do. filtered water is better for dogs a lot of people just give regular water too that's fine but I don't know I like filtered water I drink filtered water and I give that to my dogs, and I wash their water bowl probably every third day or so because I'm literally buying water jugs at Fry's grocery store. No, I think that's a good thing. And I actually, I went on Etsy and got a special spaniel bowl because my dog's ears are big. And so yeah, they make spaniel bowls for Cavaliers and yeah. other breeds that have long ears because their ears actually um, kind of go into the Drop, bowl. Yeah. I personally just get bowls where their, their ears kind of naturally fall to the side. There's some um, competitive things going on right now with Belle and um, Graham. Belle just ball. got the ball from Graham. She's oh, like, Benson's yeah. in the mix. He's usually like the judge and the bystander. Like, you guys are peasants. Like, I'm refereeing you guys being crazy. Exactly. He got into it. What are your must-haves then? I think I'm a proponent of crate training, so mm -hmm. that for sure is a big one. Um, I did not do <sighs> potty pads. I do not recommend potty pads because I never wanted to encourage going no. inside. So, um, well, that could segue into my personal story of not having a balcony uh, right now. Right. I'm on the fifth floor. Yep. When Graham was a tiny puppy, he legitimately went pee every 20 minutes or less. So for weeks, it's like, it is not feasible. And this is also when they're unvaccinated. You can't really bring them to areas that are highly frequented by other dogs. So, okay. Hey. Hey, please, can you not do that? Thank you, sir. Excuse me? Yes. Oh. <laughs> um, I live in an apartment complex where lots of dogs are at because it's very dog friendly. So I didn't want to take my 11 week old puppy down to an area where every dog pees at, but it also needs to be relatively close to the exit door, which is all, everywhere in my apartment complex, there's every dog pees. There's lots of dogs. So I actually did have to do Potty pads, um, potty pads for a little. Benson, and I did I did it for like a second because my mom made me feel like I needed to, to be honest. Um, but Benson didn't take to it. He never got into it. I had a balcony in San Diego when I was uh, potty training Benson. And I actually got Fresh Patch. Loved that. It was from Shark Tank. It's a little... Like, little, I think little fresh square... Cramp, that makes sense Little square of yeah. um, grass that comes came to me every... I got it every two or three weeks from L.A., and I lived in San Diego, so it took, like, a day or two to get there, and Benson loved to pee on that. Used that for almost a year. I, I calculated it. I spent, like, $4 on a grass patch. <laughs> it was out of control. But I didn't... I would debated doing a grass patch in my apartment with Graham, but I'm like, 
I don't know. Like, it's the same thing. Like, there's not even, like, tons of grass in my apartment. There's, I mean, I'm not getting him only used to grass. The good thing is you get them used to lots of different textures and, and you That's know, rocks, true, pavement. Which is good. My dogs will go pee on pavement if they have to, which is good. It's not Bell like they're only too. stuck on grass. Yeah. yeah. But, um. It went over there, Belle. Go get it. It went over there. You totally missed it. Only Benson saw. Look, your brother got it and you were... But anyways, I used potty pads briefly, but I took him away right when I was able... When he was able to hold it a little bit longer and wasn't going pee every five seconds. And he easily trained to outside and he's been doing great since. So you can do potty pads briefly. If you're in a... Like, you're in a situation where you're in a high-rise apartment in New York or wherever, you don't have any other option. But you live in a duplex, so you could easily pop down and go on the grass. I would say if you can avoid it, don't do it. Like, oh no, yeah, I would be like I a wouldn't. lifelong thing. I would not opt for potty pads as my first choice. Yeah, especially if you live in a home with a backyard. Come don't on, don't be like I'm gonna put them in an X pen with a potty pad and leave them for six hours because it's fine. Totally, like, and that's and I think a lot of people do that. I do too. So that's a good I point to bring up. Highly recommend not doing that because you never want to reinforce the bad behavior of going it's to the bathroom outside. Yeah, um, I agree with that. So, crate, I think for sure, obviously a non-retractable leash and a body harness. I like Easy Walk the best. I know you do as well. Um, well, Graham got some really aggressive yeah. mats under his armpit. I really like the Papilla ones, too. I like the Papilla I've been using ones. the harness that um, clasps in the back. There's a little a clip, and then there's also the Velcro that goes in the back. Yep. I really like that. I use that one, too. There's a lot of um, controversy with harnesses these days, I feel like. They always, I feel like I see so many people talking about how some harnesses are damaging to their back and this and that, and it's like, I don't know. I mean, do what you can, but I would definitely have one not around their neck because they could asphyxiate themselves from pulling, especially I've heard of dogs being left at home with collars on. Yeah, definitely let them be naked at home. Um, (laughs) And then, I mean, I think the other things we've talked about, the food, the vet, oh my God. Graham wants to squeak the crap out of the toy. <laughs> She's going to block them in the bedroom. Okay. Our parting advice. Our parting advice. I know what I was going to say. What? what? My parting advice. For I people. don't know my parting advice. Everywhere I go, people comment on how well-behaved my dog is. And I have to say it is because I started taking her places very young. Oh, yeah. And integrating her into society and behaviors and, you know, doing some of the things that we talked about uh, with Lacey earlier where I was not reinforcing bad behavior and I was obviously enforcing the good behaviors and telling her to be quiet when she barked and when they do that when they're puppies. <laughs> it's so much easier um, when but they're also, adults. think about the dogs that are dog aggressive. Not all of them, but I, I, I presume that many of them we're not exposed to certain things when they were puppies. And people don't realize how critical it is in the first six yeah. months. Honestly, the first three, three or four months, months are yeah. really crazy. Yeah. Um, how important it is to expose them to things. And so although they can't really walk on the ground until they have all their shots, shots. depending on where you live, um, you should definitely take them places and carry them, get them yeah. exposed to things. I live off of a really busy road in Phoenix, Arizona, and I... Walked Graham on that and held him a bunch of the time, too, and he was a puppy, so he'd get used to the busy street sounds, so he wasn't reactive to large, loud, large, loud car sounds. I was loud saying loud. and large together, loud. Yeah, but also not even just taking them out when they're young, I mean, that's easy, is also brushing them with a little hairbrush. Getting them used to those things. And the nail clippers, oh mm-hmm. my god, I have so many people message me on Instagram saying... 
oh, why do you, like, how does Brenton love to be brushed? He, like, literally falls asleep. It's, like, a massage for him. And he likes it because I started brushing him when he was young. Absolutely. Bell's I mean, his demeanor yeah. is, like, predisposed to liking that. I mean, he's, he's a little less wild than Graham. But, yeah, I mean, people try to start brushing their dog's hair when it's a year old and their oh. hair is thicker and longer, and it's, like... Okay, but a year-old dog is the equivalent of, like, a 20-year-old human. What if you had never had your hair brushed until you were 20, and then one day someone just starts yanking a brush in you and expects you to adjust to it and just like it? No. It's, that's I not how it works. They it. age so much rapidly than we do. So, and, and I would get that. By the way, if you guys do want to look at um, Benson and Grams on Instagram, you can follow them at Benson and ben, Graham. No, it's Benson Graham Cavs. So Benson, B-E-N-S-O-N, Graham is G-R-A-H-A-M, and Cabs is C-A-V-S. Yes. And Belle, if you guys don't know, is Little Bell Pup. So Little, B-E-L-L-E, Pup. So please feel free to go on, look at her stories. Wouldn't it be funny if someone messaged us and said, I heard your podcast? I'd be like, oh, I love it. We should start a Little Bell Pup, Graham, Cab. Benson podcast and All talk about dogs ones. every week. We probably get a lot of hate mail though. We you don't know what you're talking about. Mail. You're not a veterinarian. You're not a hey, doctor. We're obviously, we need to start one where it's really obvious. It's like two drunk bitches with three dogs or something like to that effect. It's funny because two of the dogs are boys. It'd be funny if they were all girls and you could we literally could say, say five drunk bitches. <laughs> what? Two girls and three bitches. Two girls, three calves, and a two rows. <laughs> we should say calves. Yeah, sorry. Exactly. Sorry. Two girls, oh. three calves, and a bottle of wine. They're so sweet. And we hashtag calves and wine. Calves and wine. C A V S. And then hashtag wine. Well, we're gonna leave you because our bottle of wine is almost empty. I super have to pee. This has been a long time coming too. Coco's been trying to get me on the podcast forever. She's like. We could talk about dogs, the thing you're most obsessed with. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, what? Do people want to hear this? This is the first of many. And people do want to hear this. Wouldn't you want to listen to this shit? Probably like two girls that talk like me with ADD that get off topic. I'd be like, okay. What if there was like a podcast where you were like legitimately like two girls getting drunk talking about cats? But also think about, are there, I've never even looked into dog podcasts, but I imagine they're very veterinarian forward and sponsored by Provecto and this and that. And it's like. Let's let's talk about like two. Are we middle aged? What are we? Oh my god, <laughs> we're thirty. We're not middle aged. I didn't know if we were gonna like reveal our ages or whatever, but it's like two. Well, I'm technically not thirty yet, but two thirty-ish, okay. thirty-ish, Ish. late twenty girls. Yes, talking about dogs and their obsession because these days it's only getting crazier how obsessed you are with your dogs, right? That's true. That's true. I had a full-on meltdown at Christmas, which is for a separate podcast because. My dog wasn't loved as much as the children. That was a separate... Oh, like a separate story? You're not going to share that story. No. It's weird. No. No. I haven't had enough wine for that. Maybe next podcast. Ooh. All right. This is her first of many. I hope you enjoyed our kind of... We'll be best friends for life. Best friends for life. And it was from our dogs, and we can owe it to our friend that produced these dogs. Yeah. And then you can institutionalize me when Belle goes, because that's what's going to have to happen. I'll just go in with you. I'll bring Graham and Benson with me. If if, if if Don't say it. Oh, if Benson's around. No, don't do it. All right. I love these babies. We love dogs. We love dogs. And wine. I love these babies. I love wine. I love you. Thanks for doing this. Love you like a sis. Bye. Bye.